I'd like to propose a toast. Hello and welcome to Before Brunch. I'm Megan Cassidy. And I'm Cassie Delaney. And we are your celebrity arts, pop culture, social issues podcast. We go live on Sunday mornings just before brunch. Mm -hmm. And we like to talk about all the things you're going to be talking to your friends about at brunch. So we take the biggest stories from pop culture, internet culture, news, politics, sometimes tech. And we ask questions about them and try and make sense of them for our lives and yours. Yes. This week, it's kind of a tenuous topical link. It's something we've wanted to talk about for a really long time and we found a reason. Mm. Um, we are talking about the Olsen twins yeah. today. It's They're such a staple in our lives. Um, we, well, I, on, I kind of, with a mutual insistence, have modelled ourselves off the Olsen twins. I thought it was me. I'm delighted that you're saying it was Oh, me. no, it's Stephanie. Like, it's it's obviously it's been at the back of my mind for, for life. Okay. Um, which is great because this little piece we're going to talk about, that was the topic of it, was how much of a presence they can have on a young woman's life, enduring well beyond their film years. Yeah. A lot of people are obsessed with the Olsen twins and there is something really interesting and something that draws you in about them no matter what sort of presentation of themselves they have like mm. if you think about the Olsen twins now versus the Olsen twins when they were in like It Takes Two or um, the other one they had on Nickelodeon I can't remember um, it's the two of us two no. two of a kind two of a kind yeah they were so different to what they are now yet they were always generation defining for our mm. generation, it was always whatever they were doing was the thing. So in Two of a Kind, it was the choppy bob. In, yeah. Um, what is it about them that's so alluring? Well, I guess it's they had a very sort of definitive two personalities. So you had the tomboy and the girly girl. And when you're young and growing up, they are the two ways you can exist as a young girl in the world. Yeah. You're either extremely girly or a bit of a tomboy. And um, they had a sort of beautiful relationship between those two things so even though they were individuals there was always a togetherness about them it made you feel like your other half your kind of your best friend mm. would be it, it, you know you would find that person in the world it just everybody wanted what they had which was that relationship that closeness in a lot of their um movies and their films and this is something that it's touched upon. So we're kind of we're referencing a short documentary that came out this week called The Twins that was actually beautifully presented by We Present, which is the We Transfer sort of content arm. And it is just a 12 minute art that goes through what it is about the Olsen twins that is so ever enduring. What is it about them that made us all relate to them so much? There's a couple of things off the top that you just have to admit. They are just gorgeous beautiful girls yeah very skinny very white very blonde mm. the definitive you know that is what it is to be beautiful everyone wants to look like them and then the other thing is the relationship between the two of them there was a closeness and a bond there that so many people don't have that either you were like seeking or having in an imaginary sort of what would it be like if I had a twin sister sort of imaginations and um they were funny and enjoyable and likable and we all just wanted to be them. And they also went on these incredible adventures. They did go on incredible adventures. Yeah, it, there was this weird phase of 
my life and I think a lot of our like our generation's lives where we just all wanted to be twins really badly it was your obsession the Olsen twins you had sister sister yeah there's always something so magical about twins like the idea of there being another half to you yeah this thing that completes you that is there this ever enduring support is so appealing and I think when you're in, like when they really came to prominence for me, we were like 12, 13. It's that really tumultuous time where you're questioning your own identity. You feel very alone in the world. Mm. You hate your parents. And their whole brand was, and actually the documentary pointed out really interestingly, like very frequently in their storylines, they wouldn't have a mother figure. They would mm. always have the father figure. So that was true in their movie it takes two it was true in two of a kind new york Um, minute new york minute it's the two girls and their dad and this absent mother and this hole that's created by the the matriarchal figure that's not there that almost bonds the sisters Mm. even closer together and i thought that was real because i'd never copped that before but that's what you were really craving was that like other half of you or and it probably as weird as it sounds mirrored that's kind of the bubbling up of feelings when you're 12 and 13 of like I want to find a partner but I want to find somebody else who knows me inside out yeah. who's dedicated to me whether that's a best friend or a partner like for me I just looked at the Olsen twins and was like oh my god what I wouldn't give to trade in all three of my brothers for one sister yeah. you know it yeah. was just like I wanted that relationship yeah and that closeness there was always a theme that like because their personalities were were pitched as being these two opposing forces the girly girl the tomboy the pristine the messy you know they always had that sort of dynamic and the idea being that you could find someone who would accept you and love you exactly for what you are and that you would come together and form a whole despite being opposites Mm. despite having your imperfections or whatever else and that you two would help each other to become better versions of yourself like looking back at it with an adult lens but at the time when you're watching it you're like these don't get on and now they do because they're spending the day together and anything is possible you know yeah um and when you're trying to define your own personality and figure out who you are without being too lofty about it they made it as you said seem so simple that like there are these archetypes and Mm. if you're a girly girl you dress like this you do your hair like this and it was almost a guide to being a girly girl or a guide to being a tomboy and you could follow the rules of what it meant to be any of one of those archetypes and then you would be you would realize yourself like so that search for like self-realization mm. in being a tomboy or the girly girl and what that meant as it kind of played out in their little social scenarios that were so cute and they're still great episodes to watch back. they're brilliant and they were great shows and they went on these amazing adventures we were in Rome recently with friends and we were still referencing yeah the Olsen twin movie where they go to Rome whatever yeah. it's called Passport to Paris for me was the one where they fight with the baguettes under they the Eiffel Tower the yeah they wore those little gypsy tops yeah the off the shoulder gypsy tops and I just remember going into Vera Moda with my mother because I was going to Lourdes on our second year school Mm. trip and I was like I will take 12 gypsy tops Mm -hmm. in one in every color and the bandanas my god I went there yeah and my friend who was so jealous that she didn't have a bandana like my mum took my duvet and cut a little triangle for her to have gave her one a bandana Kate's fab (laughs) you never see anybody left out Yeah. yeah I mean like I did the whole I think Mary Kate wore an outfit in New York Minute that was like a slightly flared jean with a pair of flip flops, black tee, white long sleeves underneath and I think a red beret Mm. and to say 
all of my outfits resembled that somehow. I was like the, the flare jean and the flip flop, totally impractical for yeah. life in Ireland. Yeah. War to death. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Wow, I'd say. Yeah. That was thrilling. Um, yeah, I think so now they obviously were hyper branded they had all these tv shows movie spin-offs a lot of merch not many much of it was available in ireland but certainly mm. in the states it was everywhere they had a clothing line elizabeth and james they had their own production studio jewel star the twins are now worth 500 million um combined is their current net worth crazy because they haven't made a film since 2004 no 2004 was the year they went to college and they stopped doing interviews and they pulled back from the spotlight completely and rebranded um, and went in a completely different direction. And they now obviously have The Row, which is a massively successful, mm. very high fashion, absolutely widely respected and accepted mm. fashion brand. It wins CFDA awards. Um, they've made it in a space, in, in a similar trajectory actually to the Victoria Beckham um path where you think it's the they're probably the least likely people to land in the world of high fashion which is notoriously hard mm. to crack into because they would have been sort of maybe seen as gimmicky or frivolous it, or yeah. you know and frivolous and high fashion don't often it's not easily married particularly because the Anna Wintours of this world want to protect fashion as a serious business. Mm, an and art form. An art form. And they're constantly having to defend it as that. So Anna Wintours of the world will keep the likes of the Olsen twins out. Like there is a filter system there. They are now like probably some of the most important guests at the Met Ball. Yeah. I know they haven't been there in the last couple of years, but that journey to where they've arrived at for me is so fascinating because everyone wants, everyone loves a rebrand and everyone loves the idea of reinvention. Yeah. And they really cracked that. It's so interesting though, because when we think of like the theme of reinvention in life, as mere mortals and normal people, I approach it in the if I were to go away and do something completely different now, will everybody think I failed the thing I was doing? Oh, but maybe it was easier for them because they were so wildly successful mm. and also because their career path is slightly different in that they the first thing they acted in Fuller House, they were nine months old when they shared that role initially. Mm. Um, they didn't have a say. We, yeah. were we, we were sort of sold this story of the Olsen twins being completely in control of their careers and making all these incredible executive decisions at, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, starting Jewel Star. But the reality is, is that there were adults behind them pushing them into these things. They were not. But I think that they are astute businesswomen. And I think when they reached a certain age, they definitely had a very clear sense of what they wanted from the world. But mm. in the early days, like there was no way that they could have consented to the jobs that they were doing or no. they were not signing contracts. There was somebody operating on their behalf who was mm. very wise. Mm. Their decision then to move into a world of fashion was an interesting one because they could have very easily continued on with what they were doing very successfully with all the foundations that have been laid for them. Yeah. And they could have gone down that, you know, traditional child star path. That's not necessarily a favorable path for most people. But when you look at the likes of kind of even Amanda Seyfried, who who shot to fame very young, she has done it very well compared to like obviously Lindsay Lohans and all that other, you know, those kind of ilk. But what I'm saying is, that their their move into fashion was a really, really big risk for them. 
it was a risk and I think it's interesting that their journey has been the literal inverse to the standard American dream where mm. if you ask like there was a survey done recently among Gen Zers what do you want to be when no younger than Gen Z what's after Gen Z Gen actually babies X. in school like um no Gen X is the generation before us we're Gen Y they're Gen Z and then there's Gen that's the end of the alphabet that is the end of the alphabet <laughs> So whatever, they're in school right now, right? Whatever they are. I don't think we're going back to A. What do we do? I don't know. Gen Alpha, Gen Beta. Oh, that's good. Gen Alpha. The kids. Children. If you, there was a survey done recently, like what you want to be when you grow up. And it was it, like the lion's share said famous or an influencer. Yeah. Or a oh, gross. And we all think that's the goal when we're growing up. And when you're watching the Olsons, that's the goal is to get famous. And you and I have spoken about and so many times the transactional nature of Hollywood and how you have to court the paps mm. to get famous and you have to drum up publicity in order to stay relevant, be famous, have success. The Olsen twins got to a point where they had had so much publicity, like their lives began. They were mm. famous from birth. They had so much publicity that they actually were able to retreat and be private people that instead of courting the paps, as the end goal to get to fame that fame becomes a means to an end and that mm. end is you no longer have to be famous they can now be private individuals working really hard and that's I think what is a testament to their work ethic is that they are doing this behind the scenes they don't want to be the face of the row they have to be pulled out screaming and yeah. effing and blinding to do an interview and the privilege that they have earned from the hard work, all the money they made, all those years being chased by paps is to no longer have to be famous. It's come full circle. I always feel like child stars or people who have had this level of fame and retreated know something that the rest of the world don't know. Yeah, well, the it's it's I think it's it's a it's a real trait of the quietly successful, the mm. The very, you know, the, the the very, very successful people in the world, you will not know their names. Of course, we all know the Bezos and the, you know, the, you know, Elon, Elon Musk. Musk and stuff, because they're people who go out there and make noise. Mm. Exactly as you say, because we think that fame and influence is currency. So we chase that to trade off for other things and other opportunities. We all fall into that trap. Everybody mm. does. Every client we have comes in, wants to go viral or get big numbers because numbers and audiences lead to success. Yeah. And that is, that's been ingrained in us since social media came about, really. Yeah. And for them to be able to just let the work speak for itself. Yeah, that's and let success. The cream, let the cream rise to the crop is a nice confidence. I think that was a riff on the phrase, let the cream rise to the crop. Let the cream rise to the crop. The cream will let the cream rise to the top. The top. You are the Sorry cream of, of the, the crop. crop. Sorry now. Wow. Oh my God. I just... Sorry, I didn't mean to disrupt no, your line of thought. It's gone. It's gone. No, it's not. Um, I think that it's, it's, it comes from the confidence to be able to let the work speak for itself also comes from a place where you are so comfortable you can take risks. Totally. And even there, the brand, the Rose ethos mirrors this idea of like, I've become so famous that I don't have to be famous anymore. Yeah, that this is just for fun. Yeah, the actual brand is like, I am so rich that I don't have to dress like I'm rich. And that's what the Row is. It's clothes with no labels. Mm -hmm. There's no visible... Um, 
branding of any sort. It's very kind of casual. It's just really high quality basics. It's beautiful though. It's absolutely aesthetically stunning and you can tell their attention to detail like these women are not messing around and Mary-Kate did an interview in 2008 I think 2013 and she said we will never go back to Hollywood because there's too much compromise on the final product in Hollywood. Mm. So the twins were obviously um, head of, they were directors at Jewel Star, but anyone who's worked in the entertainment industry will know that there are so many stakeholders in the final product of what's released, if it's a movie or a song or whatever. There were so many stakeholders and they couldn't relinquish that control anymore. And I believe that they are the ones doing the work behind the scenes. Oh, 100%, yeah. Unlike maybe a Kim Kardashian on Skims. Or maybe I'm wrong. Um, well, Skims, I think Kim Kardashian has said of Skims that like she is she's the final fit model for all the products. So she is very, very, very detail oriented with that as well. But not in the same way that the Olsen twins are. The Kardashians' rise to fame has been very much amass that currency of influence gather that as much as you can and then launch products off it so they launch things and they push things and throughout their entire careers they have pushed brands and not really given a shit about what those brands are and what they mean to people and not necessarily had the passion for them and i think that the 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 fact that they launched these clothing brands and beauty brands and stuff and they don't seem to be intrinsically linked to them is testament to the fact that they are doing them for monetary gain. Yeah. It's really just build the runway, launch the plane, build the runway, launch the plane. You know, Mm. people will people will give you their money. Whereas the Olsen twins, you can see that they wear those clothes. They believe in those clothes. It's so part of their aesthetic. Like Mm. it's so it's so all in one that I really, really fully... I believe they're sitting down with notebooks sketching out those clothes. I've seen them on the street with notebooks. Like, their street style is so... It's like real genius, creative, professional. It's a working style. They're Mm. there. They've got notebooks. They'll very frequently have pin cushions on their wrist standing inside their office that they are literally in there pinning people into their dresses yeah in another interview one of them said you know it took us a while to train our eye just their language around fashion is the language of people who understand it as an art and it is their art and they Mm. seem supremely intelligent their sister is a very interesting study in art versus fame as well Mm. Elizabeth Olsen so she is Scarlet Witch in the Marvel franchise you can't get bigger than that right now but she she has said um it was actually table manners the podcast jesse Ware, jesse and lenny Ware. she did an interview with them around how embarrassed she was to want to be an actor in la as the olsen twins younger sister because acting was so inextricably linked with fame and paparazzi and wanting spotlight yeah And she was like, that was never me. I was always very academic. And she really is. If you've ever listened to one of her interviews, she's incredibly introspective and articulate. And she's written a kid's book recently. She's amazing as well. Mm. Um, But she felt so embarrassed to want to be an actress because it sounded like I want, I just want want to be famous. And she went to theater school. She studied really hard. Acting is 100% her art. Um, and she she courts publicity when she has to for mm. a movie. Like right now she is doing the publicity rounds because it's Marvel and I'm sure that's part of the contract. 
but there you can you can hear from her her fears around fame her sort of reluctance and um uh yeah her reluctance and trepidation around paparazzi and letting anyone in and that fierce protectiveness of privacy that she's gotten from the twins and Mm. I think those are just so such rare qualities right now in our A-list lineup yeah and it's interesting with Elizabeth because I know when she like her first her early movies when you look at the likes of like Martha Marcia May Marlene Mm. or whatever that Martha Marcy May Marlene that's a really indie sort of left of field type of film what a choice for her it was great and it's really like it's quite dark it's you know it was it was a, an indie release. I mean, I saw it in like the lighthouse. It was not it certainly wasn't a blockbuster. And before she landed in the Marvel Universe, she did a lot of very interesting shows. But one of the interesting, I suppose, when, when an actor goes and covets or, you know, courts the Marvel Universe, everyone knows it's for the paycheck. You know, you've got yeah. all the Chris's, all the whatever. Everyone knows that the Marvel Universe is the best place to get paid and and you're on a streaming platform yeah. and she did the she did the um, WandaVision with Disney Plus mm. but when you look at reviews for her performances in Marvel people are saying they're hypnotic she's, she's magic like that she is bringing another dimension yeah. to the Marvel Universe but did you know that she is one of the only Marvel actors not to sign multi-movie contracts I didn't know that and she specifically does it because she is putting pressure on the producers to create stories that she wants to be involved in mm. again and again it's one of the most like like amazing energies I've ever yeah. heard like the confidence of it she she said but like again, you give me the story and then I'll sign on yeah and it it means that her character will get great stories and the but she as an actress gets the opportunity like she's starring as Wanda you know she's in WandaVision yeah but she's she's telling a story about grief like yeah it's absolutely incredible it's, don't set me off no it, it's it's stunning her performance in WandaVision is absolutely stunning it's and I'm, yeah. I'm not a big Marvel Universe fan no neither but I, I saw that and was enthralled just absolutely loved it she's impossible to not watch it was one of the most heartbreaking episodes yeah. I've ever seen that episode with her in Vision come on towards the end of that scene yeah. like I could cry right now it, yeah it is she, it like, is incredibly moving yeah you do look like you're gonna cry I get so emotional about that scene and like I was listening to the soundtrack actually a couple of days ago it was Agatha all along and I I can't even listen to that song without welling up I'm like it's the saddest the idea of a multiverse in general makes me really sad because you start thinking about dead people that could be here and where they would be and is there a multiverse I don't know according to the kids on TikTok there is I hope there is a multiverse yeah. that that feels right to me that there is yeah. a multiverse but yeah like Elizabeth for, for her acting is what it never was for Mary-Kate and Ashley or I think you're supposed to say Ashley and Mary-Kate now are you yeah because they want to really move away from that's a rebrand Mary-Kate and Ashley as a brand okay. you know so we Ashley should probably Mary-Kate. be Cassie and Megan if we were ever to rebrand because right oh. now it's definitely Megan and Cassie is it it yeah. is, it is. But it's, it's that Megan Cassidy, Cassie Delaney. That's Megan why it Cassidy works. Megan Cassidy and Cassie Delaney, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's that rebrand. Another thing that you can't not talk about when you talk about the Olsen twins is like 
that child star thing and is it okay and stage parents and yeah it's so like it's so contentious isn't it like it paid off for them yeah it's fine for them and it's been fine for Amanda Seyfried but it's been so not fine for the Britney's Christina's Amanda Bynes's Lindsay Lohan's Paris Hilton's all the rest of them who yeah. were not even as young as the Olsen twins getting into it but not equipped for the fame. And what we're not talking about when we talk about the Olsen twins is all of those insidious, awful commentary that they experienced very young. So they were completely exposed to the worst misogyny in the world when they were in their teenage years. You know, yeah. the countdown to when they turned 18, the, mm. the, the, the being put on a pedestal because of the way they looked when they were so young and even looking at some of their earlier clips from their earlier films and stuff, the love interests and all that. Like they look really, 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 really young. Yeah. Like if we have a problem with, you know, a 19 year old voluntarily going into the Love Island villa and we put all of these structures in place to protect her and make sure she gets the right psychological support and but yet we still don't look at this thing that's happening where babies and kids are being shipped into the entertainment industry. Mm. And it, it, it's not something that's just spoken about in, in a very kind of mainstream way or like, what about, why is there no uproar there? Because those kids can't really let us know how emotionally traumatizing these long days are. And yeah. like, I always think of Millie Bobby Brown and Stranger Things because her parents gave everyone the real ick around some of the things they were doing. Like they had moved from the States. I think they'd left, Stranger Things was filming in, in the UK the first season. They had upped every, or maybe it's the other way around. Oh, they'd yeah, left yeah. the UK and they moved to the States. Um, they'd upped and left and quit everything. And all the sister, the siblings were invested in Millie's mm. career. And she very early on um, at a press conference said, you know, I wasn't getting work. And it was so jarring to hear like a nine year old say, I yeah. wasn't getting work. And instead of like, I didn't get to be the part of, you know, the way a nine year old would think about a part. Like I didn't yeah. get to be Ariel or I really wanted to be Cinderella or, but it was, I wasn't getting work. And she really understood how important it was for her family and the weight yeah. of that. And is that it's, okay? Is it though? And it's that whole like work hard for it to pay off later so then they can relax. But it's obviously a much more, much greater benefit to the family who aren't in the public eye as much as the person. Because I know Millie Bobby Brown in particular has done interviews where, you know, she at such a young formative age in her early teens coming out of her childhood was then the, on the receiving end of this hideous commentary about how she was behaving in interviews, how she was relating to other people, her hair, her appearance, you know, even really hideous things. Grown up saying, oh, she's pretty and she knows it. She must be awful. Yeah. That kind of thing that we would never say about A children, child. yeah. normal children. But when someone the rules are bent when someone is in the public eye, we just think that they're fodder and up for a conversation and, you know, that their appearance or their behavior or anything anything to, just, to do with them is is up for debate. And I think mm. that's, yeah, that's got to have really difficult psychological impacts yeah. at such a such an early stage. If you think of the things that were said to you as a teenager by your peers that stick with you for years. Yeah. Imagine feeling that on a global stage and that being anonymous people on Twitter or being hundreds of people on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever else or YouTube comments. Like that's got to have a really, really bad effect. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because 
talking about the Olsen twins and reading about the Olsen twins this week got me thinking about that idea that a following and influences our currency and that's the thing to strive for and that's the thing that leads to growth and leads to success and leads to being able to monetize your content or your product or whatever it is but mm. we have been taught in the way that we work now that audiences are everything you know yeah. even, even if you're not working in media the likelihood is you're working in a company be it a tech company or you know anything else where the language is all around customer acquisition audience acquisition it's all about building mass followings yeah. social 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 and I don't like that I hate that right no. I hate it I hate social media I hate the way it makes me feel I hate engaging with it and I hate that I feel like it's a necessary part of life yeah and looking at the Olsen twins made me I think just confront that and realize how much I desire a life offline totally but and how much of a privilege it is to be able to go offline yeah. because we have to acknowledge like a lot of our friends are they're not able to go offline because it's part of their job is to yeah. be online and you know but the Olsons embodied this idea of product versus following and mm. if you have a product that the audience want you don't have to cultivate the audience you just have to work on the product that's it yeah and they will come the audience will come but the Olsons you know in the pandemic the row had a pretty tough time and apparently they were having they had to take a good look at finances and restructure the business a little bit and the Olsons had to come out and do an interview which they mm. hadn't done in a really long time was it for the cut that they did the interview ID ID yeah yeah and they had to get like all the A-listers to rally around and give like a sentence about them. And it was so unusual for them and so obvious that, wow, the business is struggling and they must mm. have sat around a table and said, we need to do an interview. Yeah, but maybe they have people working with them who are used to this current way of working, you know? Yeah. When you need to do a marketing strategy or a an outbound strategy to build your brand or promote your brand, you get the key players involved. You put them in front of a camera. You talk about the passion. Every brand has to have a story. Mm. Every story needs to be told. And that's how you get audience buy-in. That's how you get customer buy-in is to tell your story really well. Mm. And they have to, I guess they have to participate in that. Yeah. It's been a really long time <laughs> since they were in the public eye. I just feel like you were going giddy up about something and you're about to like drop a joke or something. No, I'm not. No. I just want to like, I just, I do realize the irony in talking on a podcast saying I want to be offline. That's what and it is. I was like, she like, is giddy about something. Yeah, because I'm just like, this is ridiculous. I, I want to simultaneously be offline, but also be super online and have a huge following. Yeah, like it is something, but I like our humility that we can sit here and question the fact that we're here. Yeah. <laughs> is there anybody out there? No, but it, it's, it's, it's awful. It's ridiculous. Like, and I know that when this goes out and we get good feedback on it, I will feel validated. But I hate that this is the thing that makes me feel validated. Does that make sense? I, it really does. And it bring it, I had this moment, this existential moment, and actually Elizabeth Olsen was involved again. Um, one of the Marvel actors had passed away from cancer. Um, Chadwick. Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. And Elizabeth didn't publicly share condolences or a message of, you know, my pal Chadwick and these are all the times we were together and, you know, thinking of him. Yeah. And there was this outcry of like, how could Elizabeth Olsen ignore Chadwick Boseman's death yeah. on social because she didn't post? And she, 
deleted all her socials and was like, that was the weirdest experience of my life. I don't have to express something so personal publicly. Who am I to feel like my voice is so important that I have to make my opinion on Chadwick Boseman's death known? And I just thought about Twitter and everyone's opinion and they, you know, everyone has to weigh in. And if you don't Mm. weigh in, you, you didn't weigh in. And I was like, who am I to think I, that the world wants me to weigh in on anything? But that's the, that's the thing. That's the danger of social media. It makes you feel like you are, it makes you feel like you are supremely unimportant if you're not, if you're not up there at the top, Mm. but also that everybody's looking at you. That you have to contribute. Or yeah. if you don't say something, does it mean something that you didn't say something? It's this weird narcissistic. Where I got to with it was, I I don't think, you know, that the world is waiting for Before Brunch or our podcast. But I do think we offer something of value. And the feedback we get is that people really enjoy it. And I really enjoy listening to other people's podcasts. I really enjoy listening to the compliments too. And I, I, I take feedback very, you know, with open arms. But it is something of value that we would be doing without the mics. Yeah. So by putting the mic on, you know. It's just a chance to monetize our content. <laughs> Conversations. <laughs> it's just a, t- a chance for some attention. Some more That's attention it. of a Sunday when people need attention. No, but I do think that these conversations are, um, we do have them anyway. And sometimes your understanding of a topic only comes when you start to put your feelings out there and having the space to you know like when we when we said this week we'll talk about the Olsen twins and we were watching that documentary and I started really really thinking about the Olsen twins because like what will I say on them Mm. and then that's what led me to think about how my own relationship to how I build success or my view of success is so polar opposite to theirs that they have the privilege and I know it's a privilege to be able to be quietly successful that they were kind of born into the audience. They were a household name their entire lives. That is just because they don't covet that now doesn't mean it's not still a valuable thing to do. Yeah. I just wish I had that privilege. Yeah. That I knew that like you could just focus on your work yeah. and on your thing without having to worry about well, who is it for and who is watching it? And if I do this TikTok and if I do this thing on social, that will grow my audience and that will make the thing I'm talking about more successful or what is success in a what digital space anyway? You that know? is it. And it, it, as you're saying, it's circumstantial. It's not that they have better morals or better, better ethics mm. than us and that they have chosen to shun the spotlight. They are lucky enough to have had enough spotlight to not have to be there. When you look at someone like Julia Fox, who's having to be very strategic about how she cultivates her fame and has played a blinder (laughs) that eye the fox eye incredible she like she is a meme expert she I don't think it's luck I really don't I think she knows what she's doing do you I I think I think the first I think the uncut arms that was that was luck I think the the initial stepping out with Kanye that luck like the actual physical way that she looked with that eye was an accident 
And then I think that was that <laughs> a genuine like, oh my God, my eyes turned out wrong. No, as in a genuine like, uh, this is what we think looks cool. Okay. But then it became a thing when she saw yeah. the reaction to it. But the reaction wasn't, oh my God, that looks great. The reaction was, what the hell? Who yeah. the hell is Julia Fox and why is yeah. her eye makeup so intense? Yeah. And is she going out with Kanye? Yeah. And then she did the Uncut Jobs yeah. interview. Yeah. That was just that perfect 15 second arc that we've talked about for TikTok. That yeah. went super, super viral. And I think now... She's cultivating it. But then she turned up to a red carpet with pink eye and was like, I'm riding a bug. Yeah. <laughs> and it that was definitely cultivated. Like yeah. that was her thing. But like there have Kanye has gone out with a lot of women. He's going out with a Kim lookalike right now. And Julia really seized. And, but that's the thing. You can, can see the recipe for virality and you can see the recipe yeah. for it and not pull it off. You know, exactly. She there is something she's kind of a little bit ahead of it, mm. calling her own book a masterpiece. You know, you might look at that and be like, is the absurd the thing that makes that entertains now? Yeah, it certainly seems to be on on short form social is that it's the stupider, the crazier. Yeah, the more likely it is to. Yeah. And the world up. is obsessed with manifestation. And it. she embodies. Apparently Friday is going to be a great day for me because I saved a sound. So there we go. She is the icon of manifestation because mm. she always says like I manifested this yeah okay. and my book is a masterpiece and we know she's manifesting it to be a masterpiece because she definitely hasn't written a book no, so no. that is manifestation live we're but watching she's that. creating this this universe a multiverse just multiverse. this weird multiverse where yeah. Julia Fox is famous but it'd yeah. be like going out here and being like oh yeah I'm working a book I've got a book deal it's really good it's all coming together really happy with it projections are very very good yeah and creating that sense of urgency that someone might reach out and be like oh have you signed that book deal we'd be interested and it's just yeah. that kind of you know there's a fine line between manifestation and then just Delusion. putting shit out there yeah in the hope that you're creating some sort of industry FOMO where people will sign up to it yeah but I think it's interesting she also really like breaks the fourth wall around what she's doing and she'll say I am walking outside so that the paps see me so that I can get attention so that you can see what I'm wearing yeah. and that is uh, insanely new <laughs> So no one's doing that like that is original but it all oh, it brings you back to the like what is the end goal because the end goal a lot of us like the the idea of success and you you said like what is success the Olsen twins make me say what is success mm. is it sipping cocktails on the beach like a baby with a bottle like it's not because no one does that no one who gets famous goes no one who gets success and fame goes done cocktails yeah. yachts it doesn't really happen that way they usually go off the rails or they retreat and it. keep working or they this is the thing that got me questioning as well is that success is not a destination that I'm yeah. not going to suddenly land somewhere and be like well that's it because the stuff that I'm doing now three years ago is what I wanted to do but the stuff that I want to do tomorrow is way off in the future yeah and your goalposts change when you are ambitious or you're striving for something yeah but I do want to change my relationship to ambition because I think that what I see from the Olsen twins is they seem to genuinely love the thing they make yeah they can do it quietly yeah they have the support of each other and the people that matter around them mm -hmm. they smoke a shitload they do and there's they're they're they seem to you know the, I think the thing about the Olsen twins is, is that they seem to be very content 
And the, what makes me think that they are very content is that they are not out there making themselves look happy. It's the ultimate sign of security. They yeah. don't need our validation. They don't need to be at the Met Ball. They don't need to show us. I'm sure they have really nice candles and things in their house. Yeah. They don't need to show us that on Instagram. And that is what makes an it girl, usually. Like mm. historically, it's the Edie Sedgwick's of the world who don't need your validation. Julia Fox, in a very different way, doesn't need your validation about needing your validation. Yeah. I know that's a bit meta, but she's like, I need to be validated and I don't need, I don't care if you judge me for needing to be validated. She's going like there an extra an, uh, yeah, level. Yeah. But it's, it's a great question. Like what is ambition for the Olsen twins? It's about the work 100%. What are we all striving for? What is the end goal? I think it is to be continual, continuously producing and and producing good creative work. I think we're creative beings. We want yeah. to create. And we've just gotten too obsessed with this idea of creation and visibility having to be... Hand in hand. Hand in hand. And they but, don't. Yeah, but I'll count that in the kind of... In the work that we do in the world that we live in, that visibility comes from the audience. And you have... You know, the, the creative is... The creative that works to grow an audience and the creative that you're proud of are not necessarily the same things. No. Like left to my own devices with no bills to pay and no stresses, what would I create? Yeah. And I think that everything, I want to get back into, certainly back into being present in the things that I'm making. Yeah. Which is not, and I'm not always thinking about, well, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to have this meeting. And then there will come a day where, you know, this is ready and I can sit down and make things again. Yeah. I guess the Olsen twins, make space I imagine make space in their day to do the things that they want to do yes I I, I totally agree and I think you, like what you're saying there I think I don't know why I'd need to bring that back to the Olsen twins no, it is about the Olsen twins but <laughs> yeah. they are like I think because visibility comes with really good creative work mm -hmm. like we conflate needing to be visible in either in order to create the work yeah and it doesn't have to happen like that if you step back and you just create usually the visibility comes and yeah, it's, it's a result do the offline and the online will follow yeah that if your product and your thing is good enough other people will talk about it yeah but then we make the mistake of oh I'm making I'm creating a product so I better record a video so people know I'm creating a product I better be visible in order to get to the end goal of the product which is the exact inverse of I need to create the product and then visibility will be a sign of oh this is actually a hit people like yeah. this I'm doing something right yeah. The Olsen twin method. The end. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> Just before we go, are you a Mary Kate or Ashley? I, of us, I think it's very clear who's who, but I don't know if you agree. Well, I'm the Mary Kate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think it's an insult to me. I'm not, I don't care. No, it's not. It's not. I think that, that Mary Kate is a little scattier. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think Ashley is a little bit... Probably more prepared, prepared, more reserved. Mate. I don't know. Like, but I think you're more the Mary Kate. See, I want to be Mary Kate because I'm not. And that's always the way. Oh, I know it desires to be Ashley. Okay. Yeah, it's just getting a little bit mean. <laughs> <laughs>